that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? A question, is Christ mad at television evangelists? Is Jesus mad at television evangelists? Well, let's take a look at a scripture that may give us some clue here. Isaiah 56 and verse 10 says, His watchmen are blind, they are all ignorant, they are dumb dogs that cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber, Wow, I mean, this is quite a condemnation for watchmen or ministers or preachers, the people that are supposed to be watching and looking and warning their congregations and society and speaking out against sin. He says, look, their watchmen are blind. They're ignorant. They're all dumb dogs that cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber like a dumb old hound dog underneath the porch, wanting to come out when danger approaches and will not even bark. Continuing on in verse 11, it says, Yea, they are greedy dogs, uh-oh, which can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his own gain from his quarters. You know what that's telling you? You know, I asked the question, is Christ... Is God angry at television evangelists? What this is telling you is that it's all about money. That's really what it's all about. It says they are greedy dogs that can never have enough. And they all look to their own gain. It's all about my personal gain. It's all about the money. Is Jesus mad at television evangelists? And I say that, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Now, there's a television uh, minister that I do respect. And he was telling a story about um, there was this fundraising marketing organization that came out to visit with him. And what they promised him was an extra $4 million a month in revenue that they could guarantee him an extra four million, maybe it's an extra four million a year, but I forget, but it's an extra four million, that's a lot of money. But they could guarantee him an extra four million, maybe it's yearly. And uh, but what they started doing is they started showing him all of these marketing letters and these pictures of orphanages and starving children and, and how they would send out the letters and how that they would you know, get the money coming in. And this, this uh, minister said, wait a minute. He said, I don't have any orphanages. I don't have uh, any, I'm not doing any works over in other countries like this. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. He said, 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 neither do these other ministers. And, he, and they began to name some huge, big name ministers. He said, they don't have the orphanages either. They're not doing any of this work either. And, you know, that just struck me as, well, first of all, it's an absolute lie. And this particular minister did not, you know, he sent them back home, sent them packing, 
and uh, said, don't ever come back here again. And, and, and like I said, I had to respect that. But again, is, is God angry at television evangelists? Now, it seemed like I was watching TV just recently, and, and there was this, this guy comes on, he talks about sowing a seed. And he wanted $1,000. I mean, he had the gall to ask for a thousand. He said, put it on your credit card. Yeah, that's a great idea. And he talked about, you know, sowing a seed of $1,000 and placing it on the altar. Placing it on the altar. And it, what this guy does, he's, he, he runs like a telethon. You know, and he tells this little cute little story about sowing seed, about how whatever you sow, God can multiply. And I understand that. I mean, I understand the concept of sowing. I understand if you sow a kernel of a corn seed that you don't just get one big seed. You get corn stalks and ears of corn with thousands, hundreds of, of kernels on them. I understand the concept that God can multiply. I mean, it's not like I don't get that. I understand that. But as I listened to this guy, first question I had, well, why should I send it to him? You know, why, why, why do I have to send $1,000 to him? Why not do something else with it? Why not give it to someone that needs it or whatever? Why should I send it to him? And he talked about, well, you know, help me spread the gospel. Well, the point was, he's not preaching the gospel. All he's doing is running like a telethon begging for money. That's not the gospel. You get on TV and you beg for money, how is that the gospel? There's nothing about that that resembles the gospel. And yet he, he claims what he's doing is spreading the gospel. No, he's begging for money. I tell you, there's nothing, there's nothing in his message about repentance, godly sorrow, sin, Jesus Christ, baptism, un, unconditional surrender, you know, receiving the Holy Spirit of God. I don't, I don't hear him say anything about that. All he does is tell his story about sowing seed, and God will multiply it, and he just goes on and on and on. He has this telephone, and all these people answering the phone, and calling in, and sending in your seed donation, all that nonsense. You know, if you think by sending, you know, someone money, a thousand dollar seed donation, you know, if you think your life is going to turn around because you do that, you're not thinking right. You're just not thinking right if you think that's going to solve, somehow solve your problem. What you need is a personal relationship with God. You don't need to send some jackass a thousand dollars in the mail, you know, that's the last thing you need to do. Is Christ mad at television evangelists? I think he is. And you see, here's the thing. The real fundraising begins when they get your name and address. You see, people watching these programs uh, may watch it for years and never send in a dime. But once you make that, once you make that call and you send in that donation, they have your name and address, and that's when the real fundraising begins for them. Now, if you've ever, if you've ever gotten on some of these lists, uh, religious buffoons that are out there, here's some of the things they might, you might receive in the mail. I'm just going to go through a list of things you might get in the mail. Uh, a popsicle stick, a red string, a piece of rope, uh, a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, a paper prayer rug, powdered grape juice, 
and a communion wafer, a little cake and a purple sack, a vial of olive oil, a four-leaf clover, a container of holy water, an anointing cloth, a small packet of sugar, a little gold heart, like a charm bracelet, a gold wedding ring, a silver wedding ring. Now, all of these things are marketing techniques. And a lot of these things, you know, they'll send them to you, but they'll expect you to return. You know, they might want to, you know, they'll send you a couple of gold coins, but expect you to send about $100 along back with it or something like that, you know. It's all, what it is, it's marketing techniques that they use to talk you out of your money. Okay. Now there was, and I don't know why people have to be ignorant in this area to not realize what's going on. You know, because they, this has been uncovered again and again and again on the news. There was a, many years ago on primetime TV, there was a church located in Texas. And what they found out, you know, they went in there and uncovered a lot of stuff. And they found out that the, uh, the mail was forwarded unopened to a bank in Oklahoma. And the ministry was in Texas, but the money and the mail all went to a bank and unopened in Oklahoma. The money, of course, was extracted from the letters, and then the rest, all of the other stuff was tossed into the garbage dump. And in this interview, you know, what was sort of heartrending is that they went back to this garbage dump, and here were pictures of people had sent in pictures of their family and they had written letters of heart-rending stories of, of sickness and prayer requests. All this stuff is just thrown into the garbage dumpster. The money, of course, went into the bank, but the rest was just thrown away. There were blank sheets of paper where uh, people had traced out their hand because the minister said, you know, trace out your hand, send it to me, and I'll, I'll lay my hand on it and pray for you. Yeah, all that was thrown into the dumpster. Now again, I'm asking you, is Christ mad at television evangelists? Is he mad? Now first of all, I think it would do us good if we understood what an evangelist, uh, what, what does the word mean, an evangelist? Well actually what it means is a preacher of, a, of the gospel. Well what gospel? Well the gospel of the soon coming government of God, the kingdom of God on this earth. That was the message that Jesus brought. Jesus came and he brought a message about this soon coming government kingdom of God on this earth. In other words, he said, I'm going to return to this earth. And when I do, you know, I'm, I'm mad, I'm angry, and I'm going to set things right. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make your little world right. And that was the gospel that Jesus brought. Not only that, you can be a part of that kingdom that is coming to this earth. You too can rule alongside of Christ in this government of God. I mean, think about it. What, what would you like to correct? What wrong would you like to correct if you had the power? See, the problem is you don't have any power right now. You just got an opinion. But suppose you had power. Suppose God gave you power to right a wrong. What would you like to fix? And I'm telling you, there's a lot of things I'd like to fix about our stinking, rotten society in which we live. You better believe it. So, God is going to 
intervene in this sin-sick, war-weary world of suffering and death. And that's the gospel of the kingdom of God. He's going to return. And he's going to intervene in this sin-sick world. An evangelist is not using God's name to screw you out of your money. That's not an evangelist. Why would you think that's an evangelist? Some guy gets on there begging you to send him money. That's not an evangelist. That's not the gospel. It's a fraud. It's a fake. It's a parasite. A lot of these men are nothing but parasites. They just suck you know, the blood out of you. They suck the money out of you. That's all they're good for. Remember Isaiah? What Isaiah said? In Isaiah 56 and verse 11, it says, Yea, they are greedy dogs that can never have enough. You've got to understand this. You've got, and you've got to be able to identify it when you see it. And you know, people are gullible. They actually believe that their life will change if they send in this seed donation. <coughs> Let me tell you something. You send in $1,000 to some minister, the only thing that's going to make you is $1,000 poorer than you already are. It's the only thing it's going to do. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to make your life different. How could it? How could it? There is no magic cure. This is what's so hard. People actually think there's something magical about this. If I just give my $1,000 to this guy that says he's a man of God, then somehow some magical thing's going to happen and God's going to bless my life. No, that's not how it works. There's only one way blessings work in your life, and that is to have a personal relation. You can't get out from under a personal relationship with God. And I think a lot of these people that, that are so gullible that send in this money actually are trying to weasel their way out from under a relationship with God. They don't want a relationship with God. They just want God to bless them. And they're so dumb as to believe that they send this guy $1,000 that God's going to bless them. No, he's not going to bless you. I guarantee you that. You'll just be a $1,000 poorer than you already are now. Okay, how does God tell us to handle our money? Listen, listen to this offer and I'll be right back. What is God's will when it comes to your finances? The Bible says, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health. It is God's desire that we have happy, healthy, prosperous, abundant lives. But in order to have this kind of life, you must practice God's laws. You must keep His commandments, which bring true success, plenty, and overflowing abundance. Yet many people have overlooked some of the vital principles which lead to true prosperity. Learn what God has to say about financial success. Let God show you in the pages of His Word how it is possible for an honest Christian to be financially successful, to actually increase his income more than he ever dreamed possible. Order your free copy of A Biblical Perspective on Debt and Financial Success. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.
Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org. Okay, what's really in the Bible about how to handle our money? That's what this program is called. Is that really in the Bible? Well, let's take a look at what's really in the Bible about handling our money. Does the Bible say, give it to some television evangelist who's sowing seed, give him a $1,000 seed donation, you know, put, it, put your seed donation on the temple of God. What, is that what the Bible says? What does the Bible say about how God blesses us and how far as money is concerned? What does the Bible say? All right. Malachi 3 and verse 8 says this. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Well, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Now listen, folks. If, you wanna, if, if your life is not blessed... Maybe you ought to take the instructions that come from the Bible. God says, you've robbed me. And we ask how? And he says, in tithe and offering. Well, what is a tithe? Is a tithe a $1,000 seed donation? No. A tithe is 10% of your income. If you want to know, okay, how does God work? What does God expect from us when it comes to money? What he expects is 10% of your income. Now listen, if you don't make anything, you don't owe anything. That's what's really cool about the tithe. 10% of nothing is nothing. So 10% of $100 is $10. 10% of $1,000 is $100. So it, it all depends on what you make. So now this is what the Bible says to do concerning your money. You are to give 10% of your income. Now, maybe you say, well, I'm not a religious person. Well, let me tell you something. There's a lot of non-religious people who have learned the blessings of tithing. I've heard about them. Uh, they just learned that even though they don't, they don't tithe to a church, they tithe to charitable organizations, you know, hospitals, uh, a lot of the good works that are out there that help children. You know, they, they tithe, give 10% of their income to charitable organizations. And they talk about the blessing that that produces in their lives. That is the blessing of giving, the blessing of tithing, 10% of their income. These are non-religious people who have said this. So I just want to bring that point up, you know. Uh, Malachi 3 and verse 9 says, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now again, you know, do you feel like you're under a curse? Well, if you do, God says, you know, this is what God says. He says, look, you're cursed with a curse because you've robbed me. How have you robbed me? In tithes, not by not tithing, 10% of your income. So, you know, if you feel like you're under a curse, then there's something you can do about it. But you've got to do it God's way. It doesn't say give money to some parasite using God's name to talk you out of your money. It doesn't say to do that. It says 10% of your income. Now, okay, so if you're a non-religious person, you can tithe, you don't, you know, to charitable organizations. Now, how about if you're a religious person? Well, you can tithe to your church. Uh, and, you know, I mean, of course, people come up with excuses like that. Well, I can't find the right church. Well, you're never going to find the right church. You're never going to find the perfect church. 
the moment you walk through the door, it ceases to be a perfect church because you're in it. So quit using that excuse, so I can't find a perfect church, whatever. There are no perfect churches. Well, anyway, so if you're religious, you can tithe. I mean, there's all kinds of churches out there that do a, do a lot of good works. Maybe not all of them, but there are some. Uh, Malachi 3 and verse 10. It says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now wherewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you shall not have room enough to receive it. Now, I like this verse because God says, prove me, test me in this area and see if I won't pour out a blessing so great that you can't even receive it. What's he talking about? He's talking about tithing. You know, if you want it to test God, here's a good place to start. Start by tithing. Uh, and, so, and God says, look, prove me. See if I won't pour out a blessing upon you. Now, we're talking about the, what the Bible says concerning our money. How we use our money, what to do with our money. There is a way that God said, this is what you do. It's called tithing. And uh, now notice what I did not do. I talked about tithing. I talked about tithing is 10%. I talked about if you're a non-religious person that you can, talk, you can tithe to a charitable organization. If you're a religious person, you can tithe to your church, you know. But notice what I didn't say. I didn't say anything about sending your tithe to me. Can you believe that? I'm not begging for your money. I'm not asking for your money. You see, what I understand is this. Tithing is personal. It's between you and God. God will put it on your heart where you, I mean, if you need to, if, if God wants you to send, send me money, believe me, he's big enough to cause you to do that. But I don't, I don't, I don't get on TV and beg for money and tell these little cute little stories that, and cause you to believe that if you send in money to me, your whole life's going to turn around and you're going to be blessed. No, I'm not going to lie to you. So, you know, th th this is what I want you to understand. Tithing is an act of worship. And where you tithe is between you and God. That's a decision that you got to make in prayer and in your relationship with God. Lord, where do I need to send this money that you bless me with? You only ask for 10%. I mean, goodness gracious, the IRS asks for 30 or 40%, but you only ask for 10%. And you should put God first in your life. You see, tithing is an act of worship. It's personal. It's between you and God. And, and I'm telling you, you know, God, uh, there's a lot of stories about tithing, how that God has blessed people in this area of giving, but it's got to be personal. If you're doing it with the wrong motive, you know, then I don't know how good that's going to work. But if you're doing it because, you know, God, you are great. God, you give me every breath of air that I breathe. You've given me, given me my life. You've given me my family, my wife, these relationships, you know, you, you've blessed me. And I'm grateful for that, Lord. And I'm just, I just, in a small way, I just want to say thank you for all that you've done for me. You know, we don't actually give to God when we tithe because God doesn't need anything. 
And then, you know, you got to ask the question, okay, if God doesn't need anything, then, then why do we tithe to him? Well, let me tell you, it's about you. It's what tithing does for you. Because they don't do anything to God because God doesn't need anything. You know, the scripture says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. All the cattle on a, on a, on, in the field are mine. All, everything's mine. God doesn't need your money. So if God doesn't need your money, then why tithe? Well, I'm telling you why. It's what it can do for you. It's the blessing that it can produce in your life. It's how it can make you feel. The fact that you did the right thing. That you honored God with your in income. With your income. It's a very powerful thing to do. It's personal. And uh, it's something that it's between you and God. Again, tithing is an act of worship. And where you tithe is between you and God. And that's what's really in your Bible. What is God's will when it comes to your finances? The Bible says, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health. It is God's desire that we have happy, healthy, prosperous, abundant lives. But in order to have this kind of life, you must practice God's laws. You must keep His commandments, which bring true success, plenty, and overflowing abundance. Yet many people have overlooked some of the vital principles which lead to true prosperity. Learn what God has to say about financial success. Let God show you in the pages of His Word how it is possible for an honest Christian to be financially successful to actually increase his income more than he ever dreamed possible. Order your free copy of A Biblical Perspective on Debt and Financial Success. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia. 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program.